This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And, you know, we oftentimes talk about the political topics of the day, the whatever's going on in current events. We also talk about what's going on with kids. And uh, in my opinion, there's an attack on kids. But today I want to talk about the attack on kids from a different approach. Because there's a uh, article that just came out, uh, a new study, and there's many articles on it, that says that verbal abuse can be just as bad, like yelling at your kids can have the same effects as sexual abuse or physical abuse. Now, I saw that and I said, this is a bunch of quacks. This can't be the case. Everybody yells at their kids. There's no way yelling at your kid is as bad as sexually abusing your kid or or, uh, physically abusing your kid. But as I read through the article, I realized they weren't saying that it is as bad you doing it. It's as bad on your child's brain. And that was fascinating to me. So I wanted to break it down with Dr. Vince Callahan. He is the founder of the Florida Institute for Neural Discovery. And we had a conversation and I wanted to clue you in. We're going to do something a little different this week because I think this is an important conversation. Uh, I feel like it's important for us to be informed patriots and we need to know about this stuff. And just because it has nothing to do with Hunter Biden or Joe El Baboso Biden or any of the rest of them, like Kim Malaeres, I think it's important that we know how to be the best that we can be around our children because ultimately they are the future. So um, I want you to help me welcome Dr. Vince Callahan. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. So I'm looking at this, uh, you know, the article about the, the study. I haven't reviewed the actual study, but this to me is shocking. And I'm already experiencing uh, some pretty intense feelings of guilt if, if this is in fact the case. What do you make of this um, new report that's out saying that yelling at your kids is as harmful as physical child abuse or child sexual abuse? It actually goes along with the research that I've done the last 13 years. And the key here is that hinders their development. So a child, when you, we all have in our brains an alarm system that fight, fight, or freeze. And when we get in survival mode, we are at that place of, do I have to, if there's a bear at the door, am I going to beat up the bear, run through the bear, or am I going to hide? We get in that fight, fight, or freeze mode. So when a child is exposed to toxic, chronic stress, no matter what that stress is, if it's physical abuse, sexual abuse, or the yelling, in a child's mind, those are all the same. So the perception of the abuse is the same. And so what this research is really showing is that what happens in the brain is that the size and function of the brain is changed because of the stress. Now, we know that physical abuse can be more intense um, than yelling. We, that, that's logical. We understand that. But when you really look at what's going on inside the brain, that's what this is really saying is that that child is feeling the same thing and perceiving that bear or you as that bear, that same thing. Uh, and it creates that problem in the brain. It creates in the limbic system, we get into this whole toxic chronic stress where the cortisol dump is on 24-7 and it doesn't ever stop. And now you're in hyper alert. Now your frontal lobe is all getting wonky with the limbic system and you are, can't do objective objectivity, executive planning, 
critical thinking skills, executive functioning skills, all of these things are inhibited because of the stress. This is fascinating and mind-blowing. Uh, so let me ask you a question. Um, I, I have ADHD, which is, uh, as you know, a, um, an issue with executive function. Um, mm-hmm. You just mentioned executive functions being imp- uh, as a result of this. Now, I was not really yelled at as a kid. Um, I got away with everything. But I'm thinking, is this possibly um, a cause of ADHD, or is that strictly hereditary, or is there any correlation between the two? What are your thoughts? Um, ADHD is a neurological issue, um, and sometimes children who are what I call um, stressed brain children are actually misdiagnosed with ADHD or ADD. Um, Hmm. Like I said, it's a neurological problem, but it mimics or it looks like a stressed brain child. You have a lot of the same dynamics, and you you have a lot of the same brain issues that you would have in ADHD or ADD along with a stressed brain child. Um, But the issue is that if you do certain things to restore that stressed brain child, those things will, will take effect. If you do those same things with an ADD child, it won't have the same impact because it's ADD. It's a neurological issue. It's hardwiring versus software. Got it. So a neurological issue is kind of saying I'm a head case because I have ADHD. Gotcha. <laughs> now, <laughs> uh, you mentioned something interesting, uh, which is stress brain child. Um, tell us what that means. Well, when, when you are, every child wants to attach or to bond to someone, which is why they're so stuck on screens right now. Don't even get me started on that one. But mm-hmm. um, they want to attach. They want to bond. They want to connect with. They want to feel love. They want to feel nurture. So when those things happen, we develop neuropathways to make that happen in our life, to navigate that. When we grow up in a home that's toxic, If there's physical abuse, sexual abuse, abandonment, poor nutrition, adult psychiatric disorders, or drug abuse, those six things are what's called early life stress. And there's actually a test out called the ACEs quiz, which will predict your physical ailments based on early life stress in in, in your life as a child. Um, But when you are exposed to that toxic stress and something that's a stressor that lasts for longer than two weeks at a time can actually become toxic stress. When that happens in the developing brain, you, you actually begin to change the size and function of the brain. So now that student or that child has begins to have problems with their executive functioning, critical thinking, objectivity, planning, which is also like ADD. It's very similar. But they also are on hyper alert. They're always dumping that stress hormone called cortisol. And when they're dumping that all the time, even breaking a pencil can be something that's a major traumatic event because they're on such hyper alert. The cortisol dump takes about 15 minutes to peak, but it takes about three hours to go away unless you do something to change it. All right, Dr. Vince Callahan, stick around. I want to continue this conversation and break down a couple of more things. I also want to get into uh, what the stressed brain is and how that affects children and adults, as well as uh, a little bit later, we're going to talk a little bit about the effects of screens on kids. So, folks, stick around. We're coming right back. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. 
Oh, he's so handsome. What's his name? Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez, and our guest is Dr. Vince Callahan. He is the founder of the Florida Institute for Neural Discovery. Their website is find-fl.com. That's find-fl.com. Now, Dr. Callahan, I just want to circle back to something you said uh, because uh, it was very interesting to me. When you were talking about the stress-brained child and the cortisol dump that takes 15 minutes to peak and three hours to kind of dissipate, when you have these these situations, um, is there any other way to turn off cortisol that's kind of always flowing on high? I'm so glad you asked that question. Yes, that's the secret sauce here. Because what, if you understand, let me go back to brain 101 for about 10 seconds. Sure. Sensory information, your five senses always gather information to feed the brain so the brain can do a response to that information. Okay. So whatever sensory input's coming in, now we're back to that perception piece of the bear, but whatever that sensory information comes in creates that cortisol or another hormone in the brain. So actually what you can do, because the stress hormone is a bully, it doesn't live at the same time in the brain that, let's say, oxytocin does, which is the bonding hormone, or dopamine, which is the feel-good hormone, Cortisol doesn't live with those two. It doesn't, it doesn't like those two. So mm-hmm. in order to bring somebody out of constant stress or that toxic stress, if you do something, I know this is going to sound so simple, but it works. If you bring them into a, wow, you've done a great job, and I, it's an affirming uh, conversation, or you bond or connect with him, you instantly stop the cortisol dump. This is what I try and teach teachers. So let's pretend that Johnny, he got up late and he didn't comb his hair and he didn't brush his teeth and he didn't want breakfast and he's grouchy. And now there's this big argument at the home and mom or dad's trying to get it ready for school and all this kind of stuff. And now we drop Johnny off at the curb. Uh, His teacher's waiting for him. He's coming loaded for bear, so to speak, because he's got that cortisol dump because of the stress that just happened. If the teacher understands, if I can recognize Johnny's uh, stressed brain, if I know what's going on and I can see the warning signs, as a teacher, I can do something that's either make him feel good or affirm him or connect and bond with him. And if I do that, I'm going to bring that cortisol dump down to zero in a split second. And I just changed Johnny's entire day. And what's a, a strategy for that? Just just trying to, to calm them? Like, wh- how would they approach that? Positive affirmation. I say speak something positive until they smile. I did this in a workshop one time where I asked the teachers, um, let, me, let me try an experiment here, and let me just start talking to a teacher, and I want to affirm you for being in my class and being in this workshop. And I did it until she smiled. It took 15 seconds. Wow. And I said, how do you feel right now? And she says, oh, I feel really good. You, you made me smile. And I taught them the lesson of how to do that with a child. If you understand the warning signs, if you know what you're looking for, which is something that, that I uh, train teachers on, if you, if you know that, you can do something to change that cortisol dump and change the entire day of that student based on that positive affirmation or that bonding moment that changes the neurotransmitter in the brain. It is so simple, but it is life-changing. 
Wow. Now, is this approach something that would work with adults as well that are going through the same thing? Let's say you're fighting with your wife, your girlfriend, your spouse, your husband, whatever it may be, um, or an angry caller on my radio show. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. If, If my wife and I have an intense discussion, my job is to try to bond with her or to try and make her feel good by giving her affirmations because I want to change the neurotransmitter in her brain from cortisol dump to non-stress. And, wow. and I have learned as a husband how to do that to where we actually live a drama-free home. We, we don't fight and argue. It's probably been five or seven years since we had an argument in our home because I've learned this. We're on with Dr. Vince Callahan. He's the founder of the Florida Institute for Neural Discovery. Check out their website, find-fl.com, find-fl.com. So these strategies that you're talking about really kind of work across the board for when there's a, a major cortisol dump. Now, when you talked about it impacts the size of the brain, uh, if a child goes through this, and, and again, maybe a child's coming from a home where there's neglect or you adopt the child, that that comes from a background of neglect and or abuse. Um, does this mean that they're permanently stunted in their their brain development because of this, or no. is there a way around that? No, it does not mean that whatsoever. The brain operates on a use it or lose it principle. In other words, the things that you do that are repeated experience-wise create longer and stronger pathways. Uh, for instance, driving. If, if you remember the first time you drove, you had your hands at 10 and 2, you didn't want the radio on, you didn't want anybody drinking coffee, you didn't want to have a conversation. Right. It, you know, you're not doing makeup, you're not doing anything because you're focused on driving. 15, 10, year, 10 years, 15 years later, you get in your car, you drive with two fingers, you're on the phone, you're drinking coffee, you're having a conversation, you're doing all those things. What's the difference? It's the automatic behavior that happened because of the repeated experience. So if a child has learned to navigate stress, there are longer, stronger pathways of how to navigate that stress, or even adults. However, if you realize, okay, if I change my experiences, I can change the pathways in my brain, and if I change the pathways in my brain, I'll change my behavior. So whatever was repeated, if I stop doing that, then that longer, stronger pathway gets turned off. It's called pruning in the brain, and it turns that pathway off. So a child who's come from that environment, uh, I have someone that I've been working with that is in their mid-50s, came from Mm -hmm. a very dysfunctional home, um, got into trouble with the law at age 12. We're talking physical abuse. We're talking neglect. We're talking all the bad things that could have happened. And I began working with him a year ago saying, okay, if if we can turn these experiences off, and we can start new pathways, you can change your behavior. I got a call last week from him. I'm in the best place in my life I've ever been in because I don't do what I used to do anymore because what you taught me worked. And it it works for any age. Now, in the same way, would an approach like this work for for those that, uh, I'm guessing people that have these, uh, you mentioned earlier about um, when a child is trying to attach. And I, I know not a lot, but I know a little bit about attachment where there's these um, anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, mm-hmm. and these can lead to other problems with, um, with um, emotional permanence and things like that. W- does this type of approach address issues like that as well, where you can yes, resolve those yes, types of things? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Because, again, you're changing the experiences that, that have already been there, those longer, stronger pathways. 
you're you're creating new pathways by doing new behavior. Now that may be where therapy comes in a little bit, um, or at least a really good workshop. And um, I know a guy that does good workshops. Just just kidding. Um, but f i n d hyphen f l dot com. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and ask me your questions, and I'll answer them directly. If you do the contact thing, I'll I'll personally answer your questions on my website. But um, yes, it works for attachment. And okay. it works, we're absolutely, it cures it. It absolutely will cure it. All right, this is just uh, starting to get really, really interesting, Dr. Vince Callahan, so stick with me. We're going to come right back and continue our discussion on yelling and all of the effects that it has on the brain, the stressed brain, as well as screens, and the correlation. Uh, a little bit later, we're going to talk a little bit more about the correlation between screen time too early in life and the potential for autism. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. The 45th president, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Mr. Call Screener. Yeah. Much an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We continue our discussion with Dr. Vince Callahan, and this is eye-opening stuff for me. I'm learning so much. Uh, I've been reading a lot of articles. I get to interview a lot of uh, psychiatrists and psychologists and therapists and psychotherapists, and I got to tell you, this is such a fascinating topic to me about how yelling can have the same effect on the child's brain and even adult brains, and uh, I'm enjoying the conversation. Folks, make sure you check out Dr. Vince Callahan's website at find-fl.com. That's find hyphen fl.com dr vince callahan earlier we talked about screens and it's a hot button issue and, and this was one early on for me uh i you know my there weren't screens when my kids were that young that many screens and i remember feeling guilty in inside of myself thinking every time my kid acts up or it, you know becomes impatient or whatever it was when they were younger uh they're 18 and 22 now uh i felt like if i had a screen, you know, or my cell phone or whatever it was, I, I don't, I felt guilty doing that because I thought, I feel, I felt like I was cheating. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it's like putting your kid in front of a TV. Good luck, kid, take care. And, uh, you know, that was just my opinion, but uh, I felt like it was kind of my job to entertain my kid or discipline my kid and say, hey, listen, there's times where you can screw around. This isn't one of them. You're going to have to sit there and, and behave. And I don't know if I took the right approach or the wrong approach, but I'm wondering what's your take on screens? You took the right approach, by the way. My take is this, the research that I've done, and even recently because I've been doing some articles and things on uh, screen time, the same parts of the brain that are used when a drug addict uses a substance are the same parts of the brain that are used when a child is on the screen. Hmm. So this is like when I eat a donut. Mm-hmm. Same thing, dopamine. Dopamine. Dopamine push. You become addicted to that deficit that happens, and you want to seek more. Average child right now is on a screen four to six hours a day. New study just shows that the average teenager gets 230 notifications a day on their phone. That's about one every 1.1 to 1.5 seconds. They're getting that little ding, 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 and they're scrolling through it. So we, we've, got, we've gotten into a position where we have allowed the screens to become the electronic pacifier for the young children. 
which there's studies that show children who would not normally develop autism have a 52% greater chance of developing autism the earlier they start on screens. Wow. Why aren't we so talking now about we, that? Um, that's, a that's a good question. Yeah, that's a huge deal. 52% a normal brain, increased chance if you give your kid a screen. Uh, at early, as early as six months of age, and, and kids at six months of age are getting screen time to be the electronic pacifier, just what you were talking about. You didn't do. There's a lot of parents that do it. One well, because screens became it. more prevalent after that. Everybody, everybody's phone had one, and you know tablets yep. were really expensive back when my kids were little. But now, mm-hmm. at what age would you say it's safe to, to give a kid a screen? And for how long? I wouldn't, I wouldn't give a screen to a child until late middle school, early high school. That was around the time middle school was when I, I, I let my kids have a cell phone. Um, and, and it started with an iPod, probably a little earlier than that, like 12 years old. And, and I regretted it afterwards because I felt like, well, what happened to my kid? Where'd they go? <laughs> it's like I never talked to them again. Wow, mm-hmm. that, that, that's really serious. So what's your advice to parents that, you know, feel like, I know it's not wrong, it's not right, but it works. And I, I don't want them to, to feel left out of a conversation or I don't want, you know, I, I just want them to, 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 to chill and to be relaxed. Well, actually, it, it doesn't create relaxation. It creates anxiety and depression, but that's a different topic. But what my advice is and, and what I even tell my own patients to do, instead of trying to take the screen away cold turkey because you're going to get a very adverse reaction when you try and do that, let's wean them off of it a little bit, and let's start with one simple thing. One hour a week, everybody turns their screens off, and we be a family. We attach as a family and try to bond as a family, do something fun together, one hour a week, 15 minutes for four days or one hour one day. It doesn't really matter. But that will begin to slowly change the culture of the family. And what I'm seeing is that when I get families that will do the one hour, that one hour turns into two or turns into three because the kids actually would rather attach to parents than they would to a screen. All right, we're going to take a quick pause right here. Coming back with Dr. Vince Callahan. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. You know, when I was a kid, my dad always told me, el que sabe, sabe, he who knows, knows. And it seems to me that Dr. Vince Callahan really knows what he's talking about when it comes to this stuff. Dr. Vince Callahan, what an eye-opening and enlightening conversation. Now, Doc, if people aren't in Florida, but they're thinking, man, this guy's terrific. I want to attend one of your workshops or buy one of your resources or participate in some of the stuff you're doing. How do they, how do they go about that? Um, they can reach us uh, that find hyphenfl.com or simply drvincecallahan.com. They can also find me on YouTube at hashtag drvincecallahan. I've got lots of interviews and, and YouTube things up there on, on, on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. And they can, if they reach up uh, on the uh, top part of the website where it says contact, if they'll put in their information and ask me any of their questions, I personally answer those questions. So that comes directly to my email box. And um, I've got a new book coming out November the 4th called The Neural Classroom, Restoring the Stressed Brain, and that'll be on our website as well. So uh, there's ways to get me, and uh, they can get me to their their venues. Uh, I do a lot of uh, speaking and and, uh, those kind of things and workshops for educators. 
Well, again, thank you, Dr. Vince Callahan. You are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. And this was eye-opening for me. Again, I, I, I feel like I'm broken record saying the same thing over and over. But the reality is these are things that we need to know, and, I, and I'm grateful that I know them, and I appreciate the research you've done over the last 13 years on this topic. And it's important for all of us as Americans, I think, to, to just be informed patriots. That's what Ronald Reagan called for us to be. We have to know things. And while this may not seem directly related to patriotism, I think raising an emotionally healthy child is one of the most important things that you can do because those kids are the future. And if we don't take care of what we've got, who is? This is why I always say you got to stand for something because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to sit there and do nothing. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.